you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a machine that spies on you every hour of every day. I know because I built it. I designed the machine to detect acts of terror, but it sees everything. Violent crimes involving ordinary people, people like you. Crimes the government considered irrelevant. They wouldn't act, so I decided I would. But I needed a partner. Someone with the skills to intervene. Hunted by the authorities. We work in secret. They'll never find us. But victim or perpetrator, if your number's up, we'll find you. Hello and welcome to the news entry of the Morningstar Journal. My name is Tariq and if you didn't catch from the intro and last week's episode, uh, today we're going to talk about one of my all-time favorite shows, probably the best show I would say of the last 10 years, Persons of Interest. Um, now, before we get into the show itself, uh, I'm going to go over um, just a few things I want to kind of say is that I want to uh, thank you for everyone who's listened to it. I saw that uh, there's actually been a few people actually listening to this podcast, and I really appreciate it, and I want to thank you. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the few episodes I've had, and uh, like I said in previous episodes, um, this is a time that I want you to relax, we're just going to have a chat, I'm going to go over uh, one of my favorite things, and so I want you to kind of relax while you're listening to this podcast today. Um, and if you have any uh, comments or you have any suggestions that I can make the show a little bit better, by all means, uh, please let me know um, in the comments. Now, today, like I said, we're going to talk about, we're going to, I guess, do a in, uh, analysis and report. So I'm still trying to figure out the best words for review without saying review. Is um, we're going to talk about persons of interest. And like I said, uh, so it came out in 2011, um, ran for five seasons. Uh, like I said, one of my just all time favorite shows. Um, probably uh these are going to be fighting words but better than game of thrones yeah i said it um so we're actually going to go over a few things on it so for those who are not familiar with game of thrones i'm sorry talk about game of thrones talk about persons of interest jeez so um for those who are not sure on what person of interest really is or never really heard of it before let me go over this uh synopsis on the back of the season one dvd which is available all right so person of interest you're being watched a supercomputer developed by reclusive billionaire and software genius Harold Finch, played by Michael Emerson, analyzes data patterns and surveillance to the U.S. government to identify impending acts of terrorism. But the computer, known only as the machine, can also identify ordinary people who are about to be involved in violent crimes. 
Can those crimes be stopped before they take place? Secretly tapping into the machine, Finch, an ex-CIA agent, John Reese, paid by Jim Caviezel, uses vigilante tactics and state-of-the-art technology to identify the soon-to-be victims and prevent crimes from occurring. Meanwhile, two NYPD detectives, played by Taraji P. Henson and Kevin Chapman, are drawn into the case and the mysterious surrounding the two covert crime fighters. From the Dark Knights, Jonathan Nolan and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Productions that brought fringe and loss comes all 23 heart-pounding, heart-pounding and thought-provoking season one episodes of Edge of Your Seat Thriller series, Person of Interest. So that pretty much uh, sums up everything, the major things about the show. So as you... As I said, the show's about um, Harold Finch, who creates this supercomputer. And I'm going to probably go over a few things from season one. I'm not going to give you um, heavy plot thing, heavy plot spoilers, because I want this to be a show that you decide to watch. It's available on DVD, of course, if you feel like purchasing it. But it is still available to watch on Netflix. Um, I actually started re-watching a lot of the older seasons because... I really like this show. It's a show that I can just put on no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm feeling, I can put it on and I can enjoy it. From season one even to the end of season five. Um, so let's get into it a little bit. Um, so like I was saying, so the main thing about the show is that it revolves around uh, Harold who is this um, tech genius. He became... Uh, extremely rich and the way the story goes is um right after 9-11 when after the terrorist acts in real life terrorist act in new york of course um in this story harold decides that he wants to use his genius to help people he feel he feels that you know the this was a planned attack so that means it could have been it could have potentially been prevented if something was out there that was able to analyze all the information. Uh, so he creates what's referred to as the machine. Now the machine is it basically takes all the data. It's um, is actually um, contracted by in the shows contracted by the government to actually pull all the uh, not just like news feeds, but we're talking about emails, text messages, voice calls. It taps into the current infrastructure of security cameras, any cameras that are uh, that can be accessed from online or through the web, um, street cameras, the uh, camera off of a uh, an ATM, mics that are set up anywhere on other computers and personal computers on. Uh, anything you can think of, it pulls all that information. And during the show, what it does is it will send Finch a, um, basically, a social security number. And throughout the show, Finch and Reese, who's the CIA agent, they have to figure out when they get these uh, numbers, basically when they get these numbers, who is this person? Is it a victim of a crime that's going to happen or a perpetrator of a crime? Now, the true motive of the, of the use of it 
it, and this is another plot that the show goes into, is that the government actually does use the machine to track terrorists. So while they're kind of, you know, helping out the average person in New York, the government's actually also, the machine is also sending the government um, a, basically whenever a name pops up, a certain number, a certain serial number, a social number, sorry. And then the government on their side, they track down the terrorist or, you know, the organization that's going to uh, potentially cause uh, some some havoc. So a little background into the show itself. Um, like I said earlier, the show came out in 2011, September uh, 22nd of 2011. And it ran all the way till June 21st of 2016. Uh, so it consisted of five five seasons. Uh, the first four seasons were actually about twenty two to twenty three episodes. Unfortunately, the fifth season got cut short by thirteen. But you know what? Even in that thirteen, they did a really good job of um, trying to close out close out the series. Even though I think there's something, there's a lot more into it because. I was actually watching the show when it was airing uh, weekly um, back in season one. And when it came to season five, for some reason, when it was airing, they decided to air like two or three episodes a week. Pretty much the entire season was condensed into one like month where all the other seasons aired weekly. Every week was a new episode. So, you know, it would start in September and run all the way till whatever, till like the beginning of spring, basically, you know, through the summer, I mean, through the uh, winter. But what, and of course they'd have the winter break. They'd have the uh, uh, December break. So that's what kind of like split the, you know, split the season up. Uh, at least, you know, back in 2011, 12, etc. But for whatever reason, in uh, 2016, when the last season aired, they decided they wanted to just get it out and get it done. Even though the show had great reviews and great, um, uh, basically great feedback from anyone who watched it. Um, so the show was created by Jonathan Nolan. And if you recognize that, he actually is also part of another great show that just came out that coincidentally also deals with AI, Westworld. Now, since Westworld is a newer show, I'm not going to talk about that one too much. But trust me, Westworld's another one that you want to consider watching. Uh, the music that you're hearing, or that you can kind of hear in the background, kind of fades in and out, is actually from A Person of Interest. And it is performed, give me just a moment, just reading through my notes, and it's going slow. Uh, the composer is by Raman Jawandi, and I apologize if I get that name incorrect, but Raman Jawandi is a German composer, um, and he does the music for Person of Interest. He's actually scored movies such as Clash of Titans, Pacific Rim, Warcraft, and even, speaking of <laughs> Jonathan Nolan, he does the music for Westworld as well. So, if you watch Westworld, that main theme, yeah, the same guy who did the person of interest, all the music from Person of Interest, also had a hand in that Westworld theme. Um, 
So definitely some, I mean, something to check out, and I'll be talking about the music in just a moment. But one of the things I want to get into and talk about a little bit about the show. So the history, kind of like uh, the show from my point of view, is um, like I said, I started watching it when it around when it was airing in 2011, but I didn't catch the first few episodes. When I first heard of Person of Interest, I didn't quite know what to expect because I heard little bits and pieces of it, didn't see the trailer. And I thought Person of Interest was going to be like, when you hear Person of Interest, you're thinking, oh, just your run-the-mill cop show, like Law & Order or um, NYPD Blue or something, you know, just, they just decided to use a person of interest tag rather than, you know, call it anything else. And then later when I started hearing about how they received numbers, um, I don't know if people remember this, I was getting vibes of things like, um, is it, uh, I think it was Touched by an Angel where, you know, were they getting these numbers, um, like spiritually or uh, supernaturally or something like that. You know, was it going to have that? And it wasn't until a coworker at the time I was working in a call center who also been watching Person of Interest and really liked it and knew I liked uh, sci-fi stuff and said, hey, you have to watch Person You You need to watch it. You need to catch it. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll try it. And I caught one of the first initial episodes and I... I was impressed. I was impressed by the tech they used, the gunfight, which was pretty cool, and um, just the character development that that was happening just in the first season alone was amazing, and I loved every bit of it. Now, like I said, I will go into a few kind of light spoilers here and there, um, but I won't go into any major ones because I want you to watch it. So one of the things I want to talk about is some of the characters that I thought was like really impressive. So we talked about Harold, who was this uh, tech genius who created the machine in the first place. And we definitely see a lot of things about him where you see where he got the kind of the inspiration to create this machine, um, what he wanted out of it, but then also what it became and how he had to kind of wrestle with himself on what that meant and what that would mean for the world. Um, we also meet, as we talked about in, in the uh, preview, uh, we talked about uh, John Reese, who's an ex-CIA agent who was thought dead and living on the streets when we first meet him. And Finch scoops him up and is like, you know, you know, I know a lot about you and I know... Morning things, you need a purpose and you need a job. <laughs> uh, that plays in. And he initially gives him this opportunity because he became very disfranchised with the um, organization that pretty much had betrayed him. And, but John was a good person who really wanted to help people. And Finch saw the opportunity to use this man as kind of his arm to help these different individuals, um, you know, and try to either save them or stop them from committing these crimes. 
Um, on the way, we meet the two detectives we talked about earlier, paid by Taraji P. Henson and Kevin Chapman, who are Agent Carter and, uh, sorry, Detective Carter and Detective Fusco. Now, we introduce Carter. Carter is your kind of run-the-mill police officer detective. Uh, she kind of runs into John while he's, uh, beating up a couple of thugs, and she is a kind of hard-nosed detective, wants to do the right thing, um, doesn't put up with any BS. This Now, when I first saw uh, this show, this was before Empire. So this isn't the Taraji P. Cookie that everyone knows her for. Um, this was my first uh, real exposure that I knew the actress. And let me tell you, there's no one, in my opinion, that can play this role better. Um, she's amazing, powerful, uh, just very warm and caring for, I mean, during the show, she really cares about, you know, the, um, victims and even when she has to confront John, cause let's just say he takes a very unorthodox way of trying to either stop people or protect them since he, uh, he and Finch operate outside the law. Uh, so she kind of has to kind of grit her teeth like, no, you can't just beat people up and shoot them whenever you want. And it becomes uh, pretty hilarious later. And she actually slowly throughout the seasons becomes an ally. Another detective is Detective Fusco. Now, when we first meet him, though, he's sort of this, um, let's just say slightly corrupt cop, uh, part of an organization called HR, which is actually a string of corrupt cops and uh, officials in general who um, are kind of operating in the backgrounds of the city, um, you know, kind of helping out criminals here and there and getting a little action on their own. Now, he's a little bit of part of the situation, and of course, um, with uh, Finch and Reese trying to stop crimes... Um, they definitely run uh, into HR in certain situations. Uh, Fusco gets caught up in there and he becomes kind of a unwilling helper to John's, um, you know, war on crime. And later we find out that Fusco, we find out a little bit more about his backstory on why uh, these things happen. And also we get the feeling that uh, this has become more or less a second chance for him a maybe it's a chance to prove he's more than what's become of him and you actually learn he is a really good detective a really good cop and we get to see what he does with the second chance um so those are like are the main characters we see and we have a lot of secondary characters that's a big thing about the show is that not only do we have these main characters but we have secondary characters that really shine and i won't go into the actors names because i want that the kind of when you watch the show you find out who these people are some of them are surprises when you find out who they are through the episode so we don't want to give them away us uh, one of them is zoe morgan who's kind of a political fixer in a sense. So like if you're a politician or you're a government official and 
uh, let's say a few questionable acts come up, you call Zori Morgan and she can actually clean up the situation. Not saying that she would take anybody out, but let's just say any uh, compromising pictures or photos or if you need to smooth things over as far as the PR side, she's the one you call. We also have Root, who is a hacker and uh, becomes a foil and maybe even a little bit of an ally later in seasons. You'll definitely have to watch to see it. Also, we have Elias, who is um, a new criminal who's coming on the scene. He's going into war with the major five families who will operate in New York, and he's trying to take control for himself um, and also runs into our crew. We also have Shaw, who's another government agent, much like uh, Reese, who worked for the machine on the government side, taking care of those numbers. But um, but she ends up in New York and actually crosses path with our team. And I don't want to forget about Bear, which is just the cutest dog that you've ever seen. Now, Bear, I'm going to get this right because I don't know much about dogs. Bear is a Belgian Malnois. I have no idea. But anyway, he's a military dog who actually responds to Dutch commands uh, that uh, Reese ends up uh, finding and pretty much rescuing uh, somewhere around the second season. Uh, During that time, and after he's rescued, he basically becomes part of the team. So it's even funnier watching his uh, uh, Bear's interaction with the other other cast members because it is just amazing. He actually helps them out on cases, believe it or not. Um, another person that I want to bring up is Control. Now, I told you about the government, and remember, this is something government wants to keep going to download, because they don't want everyone to know, hey, we're actually, we actually gave this supercomputer access to all your files. So, what Control does is anytime there's, they, they make sure that, one, the numbers that the machine gives go out to the, go out to correct uh, departments, whether it's the FBI, the DEA, whoever needs those needs that numbers or who needs to start an investigation, control gets it out to them. But what control also does, kind of in the background, is anytime somebody may question where these numbers came from, or if they get too close to finding the reality, control will, so let's say, subtly and maybe not so subtly. Tell them to not look into it. And in some cases, it proves very deadly. Um, another comp- another uh, group that I'd like to talk about is unfortunately Decima. Now, Decima is a tech company that, will, that appears uh, occasionally throughout the series. And initially, it looks like they want to control the machine. Because they understand the importance of... Of what it can do and what it means for the future, but it's not all as it seems. And Decima has a lot bigger plans in mind. Um, also, have a few characters like Simmons, who is a major enforcer of HR, 
and he plays a major role into it. Uh, same thing as Dominic, who is a new ga- a new new gangster uh, coming in to try to challenge Elias. The show is full of not only just the um, your characters, your secondary characters, and even the people that they're trying to help or stop. Everyone has these. Um, you know, amazing character arts and, you know, a few cliches here and there, but I think they did, a, the writers and the actors did a really good job on it. Uh, one of the things that I think is really cool about it and listening to the music are the themes. You hear it, not only just the title, but everyone has a theme. Um, Reese has a theme when not only when he's just investigating, but also when he's like when he's in action. So when he has his gun and he's taking out uh, bad guys and criminals, you know, there's like an action pack sequence that goes on for it. There's a theme for Shaw whenever uh, Shaw shows up and tries to help or when Root is involved. One of the ones I want to talk about that really comes to mind is Elias. And Elias's theme is amazing because there's kind of a menacing quality to it. Um, but also, at least to me, there's also a quality of very sad when you find out about his past and where he's coming from and what he wants to do. And it's powerful to know, like, he is relentless. I mean, if you've watched uh, Daredevil recently and watched The Kingpin, Elias will, Elias is the one to like give him a real run for his money. And his music, again, um, uh, composed by Raman, really brings it out. And I think that's an important thing about this show and shows in general, is that when you have those theme songs, it's impressive because you know who not only know who the hero is or what the action's doing or what kind of emotion the, the scene's trying to fill, but also sometimes when it's kind of a mystery and you start hearing the little beats, you get, you anticipate, you're like, oh, oh, this person's behind it. Or is this person going to come in and rescue them? Because you're hearing the, that music and, and the music is so specific, you know exactly who's going to show up just before it happens. Uh, some of the... Real highlights that I want to kind of that I want to talk about um, throughout the show. There's this kind of question on how smart is the machine? Is it a true AI? Is it just something that's taking orders? And we find out a lot more about it as the show progresses. You know how intuitive it is. There are two scenes that really mark it, and they're the uh, scenes at the close of season one and the close of season two. There's a couple of scenes in the middle uh, and later in seasons, but these two I really want to talk about. Again, we're going to do light spoilers. Near the end of season one, uh, Finch is actually uh, kidnapped by another entity that uh, wants to get more information from him. And Reese is kind of left on his own for a moment. Now, during the course of the first season, Reese has this kind of unsteady um, alliance with Finch because this is some guy who just pulled him out of the street out of nowhere and is giving him these random jobs to protect these random people. And at first, Finch doesn't really tell him 
too much about how he gets these numbers because he just says, oh, I have access to get these numbers and that's how I'm getting them. I'm getting some machine. He doesn't really tell him that there's a machine that's actually providing these numbers to him on its own. Now, Reese slowly, you know, figures out a little bit more and figures out more that, no, he's not going into the machine getting these. The machine is provided for him. So there's a chilling moment where Reese, he's just got out of a situation and they find out that Finch is gone. They don't know where he is. Um, and he's out in the middle of the street and he looks directly at a at a street camera, and he says, "You know, uh, Finch is. I don't know the exact line, but it's more or less like um, Finch is taken, and I'll need your help to get him. So you're gonna help me. You're gonna help me find him. And about maybe 15, 20 seconds later, the payphone on the corner starts to ring." Now, many young kids may not know what pay phones are. Now, those were kind of on the streets when you didn't have a cell phone right on your hand. You would actually use these pay phones. But um, basically, this pay phone starts ringing on the side. Now, mind you, Reese doesn't know much about what's happening here. He's not sure if maybe Finch has a contact that's given him the um, that's given him these numbers, or if there is a AI of some sort that's talking to him. So there's a moment where he's walking to the phone and starts to reach for it, and you see him hesitate for a moment. Because if you think about this, if you think that there is an AI system, there's an actual computer system that's been giving you numbers, you talk to it, and then all of a sudden the phone rings, you can't tell me you wouldn't be hesitant to pick up that that phone to know what comes out on that other end. And you see it on his face because he takes a moment to hesitate and you can see it on his face when he picks up that phone and he hears at least at, at that point the machine for the first time. Now at that point it's more or less just, well, it's detailed but he kind of gives them the numbers in its own way. So that was one of the first things. Now, the second one I want to bring up is in season two. Now, in season two, a lot of things happen. And during the course, they're able to get a little bit more access. And we find out more about what the machine can do. Um, and we find out that uh, there's a possibility of getting admin access to the machine. Now, during this point, again, it happens kind of similarly. It's like around the beginning part of the season finale for season two. Reese has to pick up the phone. But this time, when he picks it up, instead of some automated... Well, he still hears an automated voice, but instead of it just spilling out numbers or code, it says, can you hear me? And let me tell you that is chilling so now this machine is talking to him and actually telling and giving him instructions and you'll see how that turns out um one of the next moments one of the final moments i do want to get into is um later on and i think it's either season i think season four and there's a moment where the machine 
is actually speaking with another AI that comes into play. And it's chilling because of who these two, what these two AIs, um, how they decide to talk to each other. Whereas Machine is talking with a uh, cast member that we've seen before. And, um, you know, a mature cast member who has been around and understands kind of showing this is the machine who they, they, that person represents the machine in which the machine has been working for some years and understands for the most part understands the people that the machine's watching. Whereas this new one uh, decides to use a child and it represents the new machine on, yeah, I'm brilliant and I'm just a child, and I've got it figured out, kind of showing the two dynamics. And the conversation they have, it, when you realize it's the two entities talking to each other, and who they decide to use to represent, is chilling. Um, as I said, this is one of my great, one of my favorite shows, and I could talk forever on it, even leaving out what I have. As you know, this show has gone on way longer than my previous shows, so it tells you how excited I am about this. And I really hope that you decide to give this show a shot. Um, like I said, it, it, it is definitely one of my favorites, and um, I think you will enjoy it. If you have any favorite uh, shots or any kind of scenes you want to discuss, by all means, put it in the comments, and we can always discuss it. And I, like I said, I love it. Um, I guess I'll get into a few uh, nitpicky negatives that I'll say that, you know, for the most part, um, for a show that goes throughout the show, we see we're in the present. So it takes, so the show came out in 2011 and actually for the most part happens in real time. We keep in within 2011, 2012, up until the uh, last season, 2016, it keeps place in that time. But it also jumps back. A lot of the, a lot of our character stories happen in ten years in the past, twenty years in the past. Some characters even forty years in the past. And the show does a really good job in giving you just enough information so that when they go into the back, there's not a lot of plot holes. I notice. Um, I've gone through the series at least two or three times, and I haven't noticed anything glaring. Where it was like you said this one thing. But said this. Now, there's some things where they omitted it, where they would say, oh, this happened, and you find out the truth. But nothing that was like, um, that was crazy different between the two. Um, one thing I will say is that I, I, in my opinion, I think it was a real shame on what happened in the last season. Because you can tell that not only was it shortened, but there's a lot of... Uh, like I said, tertiary and secondary plots that just didn't come to fruition that if they had the full season and the full back end, the full 22 season, 222 episodes, it would have, it would have, um, it would have done a lot differently. And there's, I think there's a lot of characters we would have seen uh, throughout the season to come back in certain situations. We would have seen come back in little parts, and especially if it got, um, lucky enough, if it got a, a sixth season. Now, we'll say that the show does resolve itself, but does leave a little bit open that, hey, if somebody would like to come back to it, they can definitely reopen Person of Interest, but honestly, 
um, after watching it and then also seeing what John Nolan does on Westworld. If John Nolan doesn't come back and do Person of Interest, then just don't try it. Don't try to, you know, put your spin on it. Don't try somebody else trying to take over and remake it. No, John Nolan, you can you can come back and you can do Person of Interest if you want to do it. But if you don't want to do it, you know, we'll, we'll just leave it on the shelf. We'll enjoy what we have until you decide that you may want to come back to it. Um, another thing that I thought was kind of funny is that um, in the first season, uh, there's a shot where we see Reese kind of in the past a little bit, and we actually see the inauguration of uh, President Barack Obama. But in a later season where they have to protect the president, it is not Obama at all. It's not even um, uh, Trump at that point. Um, it's a kind of like nebulous... Uh, like I want to say, like comic, like Marvel style, like oh, this is just the president of the United States, just generic actor who's the president of the United States. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but I guess if you're going to have an episode that deals with protecting the president of some sort, you can't exactly have the real president, and you don't want to do a lookalike when the show's already trying to be that real. So you know, I get it. I guess we'll kind of accept it. Uh, but other than that, you know, there's no um, major kind of plot things on the show that I think was, like, different. But if you have a chance, like I said, if you want to uh, buy it on, uh, you know, DVD is available. It's available to watch on Netflix, all five seasons. I'm sure that it still runs on, like, uh, was it Crime TV and some other networks and stuff like that. So you can find it, and I highly recommend it. So we're going to wrap that up. Um, I'm glad uh, for those of you who are still with us and uh, heard my rambling throughout all this and um, listening to the music, which is also available on Amazon. We can get the uh, couple seasons. And like I said, it's really impressive on all the music that's taken from the show. Um, so that's available on Amazon. But I hope you enjoyed this episode and enjoyed my rambling on personal interest. Like I said, if you have any comments of your own, uh, want to say what you think of it, want to try to challenge me on my uh, saying that uh, this of interest versus Game of Thrones, by all means, you can leave it in the comments. And one of the things that I want to leave off with is I want to ask you something. What is your theme song? Not your favorite theme song, but not your favorite music. What's your theme song? What's the sound that you hear whenever you walk into your home? Or as you're walking into the office? Or as you're driving down the road? Or as you're shopping? What's your music? What's your theme? I want you to think on that and we'll actually pick on that quite we'll actually pick up on that question next week. Again, Thank you again for uh, taking your time and listening to me. Thank you for time for rambling on with me. And as always, I hope that you have a wonderful week. And I'll catch y'all later.